That's classified. It's what? It's classified. It had been deemed classified. And B, that footage is highly classified. Classified. It's classified. You can't tell right. anybody, but... People need to know. Welcome to CIO Classified, where you'll find candid conversations with the world's leading CIOs. In each episode, we have two different CIOs discuss a single topic. This week, we were joined by Pierre-Luc Bizeon and Mathieu Uhl. Mathieu is the Vice President of IT and Digital Technology at Aldo Group, a legacy footwear and fashion retailer with more than 1,500 stores worldwide. Mathieu brings a fresh perspective to IT leadership, gaining his experience in the digital tech space at yellowpages.com and more. Pierre-Luc is the CIO at AppDirect, a subscription commerce platform built in 2009. Pierre-Luc is another seasoned executive with more than 20 years experience in the technology industry, working at organizations such as Cirque du Soleil Entertainment Group, Dell, and CloudOps. On this episode, you'll hear perspectives from two leaders and very different IT landscapes and how they're making sure their organizations stay relevant. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from today's sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Asana. Asana is a leading work management platform that empowers teams to orchestrate their work, from daily tasks to big strategic initiatives, all in one place. By enabling the world's teams to work together effortlessly, Asana helps organizations of all sizes and industries achieve their goals faster. Learn more at asana.com. That's A-S-A-N-A dot com. And now, here's your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to CIO Classified. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today I am joined by two special guests. First, Matt, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Wonderful. And Pierre-Luc, how are you? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Doing well and excited to chat with you both today. We're going to be talking about what the CIO of the future looks like and and, and learn more about both of your companies, AppDirect and Aldo. I'm sure many of you have, have, have worn some Aldo shoes in, in your day. I know I have had many pairs throughout the years. So first, Pierre-Luc, let's start with you. Sure. So currently, I, I am the Chief Information Officer for AppDirect, as you mentioned, founded in San Francisco, major offices in Montreal and in India for a 10-year-old company building a subscription commerce marketplace to enable all of the basically SaaS industry and SaaS transformation that's happening in the industry. In my role, I have responsibilities for uh, corporate IT, uh, sort of from the traditional sense, all of the um, cybersecurity, both from the corporate and the product side, and all of the cloud operations that support our marketplace. And this isn't your first foray as a a CIO. You did it before uh, once as well. That's correct. So before AppDirect, I was the CIO at Cirque du Soleil, a very different business, uh, much more in-person, and um, really enjoyed the the time there running the uh, IT infrastructure that supported the business. Uh, Unfortunately, with the pandemic, um, the company was uh, was hit hard and gave me an opportunity to to change uh, and and reset in a more uh, technology-friendly industry. And we're super excited to chat about AppDirect being being built recently is a great uh, juxtaposition for for auto. So Matt, tell us a little bit about your role. So I'm uh, in charge of IT basically for now a bit more than a year, but I'm not your traditional IT guy, if you will. My experience, my background is much more on the digital consumer application side. And I think part of it, so part of the new mandate is actually to bring some of that 
digital know-how that we've been going through for years now with consumer-facing application and mobile apps and web technology and bring not only the technology, but the way of doing things to the, let's say, the rest of IT. So uh, that's a, a major focus of mine right now. Obviously, been just I've uh, been through like most retailers through a, a very tough time of transformation. Uh, we're very happy now that COVID is less of, less of a top topic, but uh, I think it was also a great transformation uh, period where uh, I, I took a lot of notes, if you will, in terms of experience and the way to do IT in the post-pandemic and kind of that new world. So uh, happy to share that with you today. I've, uh, in just about every mall I've ever uh, been to, I see one of the stores, but how many stores are, are you all at? The first thing is that we're uh, both a brand and a retailer, so we actually have our own uh, products, if you will. So we're both a brand, so we have wholesale, so we do uh, sell on different partners, Nordstrom being one of them. Uh, and then we are more of a traditional retail omnichannel capability, so we have uh, North American uh, own and operated store around the 500 mark. But then we are also in 100 countries through franchising network. Wonderful. And I think it's really helpful to to understand where you're both coming from because as we were prepping for this interview, I think I had this idea of close your eyes and you wake up and you're a CIO in the future. And what does that look like? And is is the future here a little bit already? And so, so we're going to deep dive into that of both of you are emblematic of this new type of CIO. You could call it the business forward CIO or perhaps the maybe the not wanting to be involved in, in the legacy stuff anymore. I, I don't know. What would you say, Pierre-Luc? What would you call this new phase of CIO? Yeah, I don't know if I have a brand for it. I mean, I think one thing I think about is we, we certainly manage a lot less things than we did in the past. So physical servers, physical networks, we, we are a business that, that that's born in the cloud. And and I think to your point about the future, I think I've always tried to recenter myself in terms of what's the role. Well, the role is to help the business leverage technology to be a better business, right? That's always what's sort of my guiding sort of North Star. Uh, how do we support employees? How do we support processes? And I think what's what's been interesting in the last few years is technology is now so easy to use. In the past, like you needed people who were specialized to show people how to use technology, whereas now it's everywhere. And so by default, all of the employees sort of come in with, uh, they're much more technology savvy than they used to be. So it, it's not so much about telling them what to use, how to use it or manage it for them because it's even managed by the cloud. But it, I think it's much more of an orchestration role of, about like how everything fits together and to keep sort of the, the, the North Star, but for the company itself. So, so basically, what are all the puzzle pieces and how they fit together is a, is a much more important topic. And we can get into that. But I, I find now like data, for example, is a much more important topic because the downside of having distributed technology is you have distributed data. And that's something that is not as positive. So the challenges sort of evolve based on that distributed. I, I like to use the supply chain disruption. And it takes me back to the days when Steve Jobs stood on a, on the stage to introduce the iPhone. And the disruption that came on the consumer side was basically we're 24-7 connected. Um, feeling the same kind of disruption and okay what's going to be the the technology most of application in that sector are let's say old-fashioned and approach so i find it fascinating that um 
a concept that we have lived through the last 10 years with at least on the consumer side applies to supply chain. But HR, in terms of work, working hybrid is a bit of the same. How do I do a town hall with a thousand people when nobody's at the office? And sales is a lot of the same. We used to fly people to come, buyers to come and see our products. Now you have to do that remotely. So more than just the technology, I think the way of doing things is what's really changing. And I feel this is where you know, the digital twist comes in, not in terms of not only the technology, but ways of approaching it whether it's SaaS or more integrated solution for employees. It's, and so we could focus more on where do we drive value? Like data you mentioned is a big one, uh, but just in different aspects now that I see is they, they, we need help in terms of how we approach the future for supply chain, for example. Can I, do you mind, even if I ask a question, <laughs> are you finding in the supply chain there's disruption in terms of, I'm thinking like the way, for example, like different streaming services disrupted like television and movie industry or the way like different taxi services disrupted the taxi industry. Like, is there, is there that level of disruption in supply chain as well? From what I see, yes. The, the way to explain it quickly is there's so much going on. So it used to be something that changed once a year, twice a year. You would do an upgrade because of a security patch from a system perspective. The data you needed was Excel was fine because it was once a year. Now, every time that there's something that happens in a port or right now in China, with every time that there's a change and there's multiple places like trucking is an issue in Europe, what happens, and I'm going to translate it to the shoe business, is the channel manager are saying, when am I going to have the sandals right now we're going into summer so where are going to get when are going to hit the stores and that's a massive change because it means every week you use you have to redo something that was done uh yearly or twice a year and so this to me is a massive disruption obviously the consumer one is more because it's basically five billion people that are now connected or four billion people connected to the internet changed uh, a whole slew of industries but the fundamentals are the same for the people in supply chain right now. It's as much of a disruptor. But you know, me as an IT leader, when we order employee computers and all of this, it's it's everywhere. And we all know as a consumer, we have these impacts also. So I think it's a massive disruption for, and it's going to last for the next few years. And you see it just VC money being poured into supply chain right now. It's just. And so there's a lot of parallels between uh, supply chain and consumer disruption to me. Yeah, I think that there's the new mandate, I think, that we talked about a little bit on this show is IT's always been responsible for, hey, if it's technology, like I'm going to poke the IT department, right? But no, so now you have this, this piece where it's like employee experience is now partly owned by IT. So if the CEO's laptop doesn't work at their home office, it's it's your job. But also if any employee's laptop doesn't work anywhere they are, or like a point of sale solution doesn't work technology that's going to go to, you know, IT in some form or fashion. But also, like you mentioned with data is, hey, we also want to work on our customer experience or our digital portals or our customer facing things. And now those roll into if you have a CTO or a CIO, depending on your structure or chief data officer, things like that. So you have this like, employee experience remit. And then you also have this customer experience remit, which are completely different outcomes that, that you desire, but tech enabled. And so it's kind of like, where do you spend your time, right? And so if you're spending time on 
on your servers. And also, of course, like the size of the organization is a huge part of this. If you're Lowe's with 300,000 or 350,000 employees or whatever, versus a smaller tech company, how nimble you can be and whether or not you need servers and stuff like that is, is also different as well. But it, it's, this, it's this competing remit where you're like, well, I think focusing on the the business outcomes and the employee outcomes that drive those business outcomes seems like it's the most important thing to focus on. What, what comes to mind for me is that I think more than ever to be successful as an IT leader, you have to build strong partnerships with other business leaders. I think that's always been true, but I think it's true more than ever. So the, the employee experience, for example, is, is a big overlap with, with the HR team. So technology is such a big part of the employee experience today. Do they get their laptop on day one? Like how often do you fresh them? Like what apps do they have access to? Did they get it all, especially, and we've been sort of, uh, I'd say, taking that to the next level with sort of working from home and back to the office and ma making that a seamless experience. So I think strong partnerships with, with HR for sure. And then strong partnerships with any of the customer facing organizations, I think is key because you, you sort of have to understand what they need to deliver to be successful to, to support them. And the last point I would say, perhaps, as you were saying, Ian, is I think the good news is over the years, because we've been able to sort of abstract more and more of the work that IT does and rely on you know, cloud providers, whether they're infrastructure or software as a service, well, the, the core of our efforts don't have to be to manage the low level anymore. And that allows actually us to be technology experts but framed as how does technology actually help business? So we've been able to shift, I think, that, that expertise within the IT organization to be even more business impactful. With technology and data, you're, you can actually point to certain things, right? Where you see those issues kind of crop up. It's, oh, hey, there's a sticking point in our employee productivity. It's like, seems like there's way too many, we, we see across the company, there's you know, tons and tons of activities on Wednesday evenings after work or something like that. Why is that? And you can start to like identify things by using technology and gain insights from that. And that's stuff that those business unit leaders never had before, right? It's like, hey, it turns out every time we do like, you know, no meetings on Wednesdays, employee productivity is actually ends up, you know, being off the charts those days. So maybe, you know, just stuff like that, that you can actually use technology to to help solve like legitimate business i think one way i would translate this uh, ian is if you look at the corporate employee look at look at the offering as a product is really what you're talking about is where is the value how much are we willing to invest what are the usage metrics the growth metrics whatever would you would use in the product environment and where do we need to remove friction? Uh, a lot of it is about removing friction. And your point about data is, is so valid because as the IT guy in meetings, even with the exec team, the minute that someone has a problem sharing their screen, <laughs> they turn like, hey, you're the IT guy. Can you solve it? I'm sure Pierre Luc, you live that all the time. Yeah. So getting access to, to that data is critical. If not, it just becomes a nightmare of support where it's a one-by-one -one kind of issue and you can't prioritize. So for me, the angle of looking at, at this you know, offering as an employee experience as a product is really the, the way to approach this. One quick thing I, you know, I've, I've tried to think about a, sort of in, in joining sort of from the outside in building that trust is I'm, I'm finding three, it's three layers. Like sometimes like the first layer is making sure that all the base services work. 
you know, maybe not as exciting even for the CIO of the future, but making sure that the budget's allocated properly is a good way to add quick value, right? Make sure base services work, make sure that the budget's managed properly. Layer number two, start to add value and sort of business process. And layer number three is, is then once you have that trust, you can start to, you know, work with the business units and, and sort of, you know, bring in that data, bring in those insights, bring in those, you know, those disruptive ideas. And that, to me, that's, that's where you start to have a lot of fun, right? So I'm curious, how do you organize your teams to deal with this, to deal with new innovation and initiatives, you know, to deal with those type of digital experiences and vetting technologies and finding new technologies and obviously working with vendors, which is a, a huge part of this. And then obviously security, <laughs> security being the giant elephant in the room as well. That's actually the first move I did when I took the head of IT job is to create a product approach to it. So what I did is I split the business capabilities and grouped them. And so a squad with a product owner, devs, internal or external, that was the first move I did with the training. So a lot of the people are working on more traditional software and or IT practices, they, they have a clue about what's a product owner. So we, we gave them training. Then we also explained to the our business partners what is prioritization and what is a backlog, what is business value and all of this. And probably the best move I've made in the first year is I, I could see the impact not only on the, my colleagues and the exec team, seeing the value and seeing that we're putting the effort towards their business goals and also knowing this what okay, it's not, we're doing all of this stuff. So that's on the value adding areas. And then what we have is more your traditional model for technology, service, cybersecurity, that's more horizontal, if you will, that's all together. But the, the biggest change for me was to uh, organize by product squads, even if it's, it could be in some cases, a combination of 20 different applications, but the product is really the business capabilities. Obviously we're not build versus buy. I think in, it's obvious that on let's say the employee stack, it's a much more about buying <laughs> than building. So we have less developers on that side. So it's more configuration and external parties, but the way that we prioritize every two weeks, okay, what's big this week and what's changed and what do we need to do is the same. Yeah. I mean, I'll share sort of two, two short stories. We did something very similar at Cirque du Soleil. So just as a side note, but I also think there's a lot of value in, in organizing IT to be closer to business operations. And, and we did a very similar transformation to be sort of product oriented or squad oriented because in the past, it was more of a sort of a bland mix of support or the PMO office or the day-to-day operations. And the experience I'll share at AppDirect is, is a little different. We're still a, a little smaller today, but we've had a, a very uh, successful experience. Uh, so, so the project that we did around data last year was really about involving the business. So we selected the platform, we developed some training, we had sort of an initial sort of onboarding package, but because we had limited resources, we could not operate in a, in a model that I've used before where it's like a, a, a BI service desk where you go to IT and you ask for a report and then IT goes and you know works on a few few weeks and then they give you the report back. We didn't have that 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 model, so instead what we did is we we built the core platform. Then we went to the business and said, "This is how you build your own reports, and we will support you and, and have some governance." Now governance is key because you still need to figure out okay what are the the sort of the gold uh, standards when it comes to data so that we we don't 
have three versions of the same data set. Uh, security was important and sharing best practices was important. But in the end, it, it amplified the impact of this project because we had all of the business participate. They felt ownership. They liked having ownership. And we, we, I, I think we kept the right level of governance to, to be enabling without sort of stifling innovation. So I thought that was just a, a different way of when you think about building an organization. In this case, it wasn't so much about the organization, about just a way of working uh, sort of integrated with the business. How do you both think about building an adaptability and resilience into your IT strategy and technology stack? Because obviously we've dealt with a bun- bunch of unexpected things over the past few years. And so I'm curious, like, how do you think about preparing for that, you know, resilience when the stuff hits the fan? In a few words, I would say, when you look at the capabilities I was referring to, business capabilities, what's the core platform that you want to build? Uh, So it could be order management system and things like that. And the second part is how easy is it for me to build extensions on it? It could be machine learning. It could be just different front ends to it, ship stations in the store. So that's really a criteria I look at because we don't like, we all have opinions about retail is going to be more e-commerce, is it more stores? I'm convinced there's going to be a role for both. We don't have an answer. So my role in IT is to be prepared for it. When you look at data is a bit of the same is you would build something that's report specific, if you will. Now you need to build pipelines that you could put in data and be able to do visualization easily on it. So this to me is, is a big part of how to be future-proof. In a way, you could think resilience and agility or adaptability are almost opposite. Like in one hand, you want to make big bets for the long term. On the other hand, you want to change things all the time. So where's sort of the right balance? Sometimes is a little overlooked is actually contractual relationship and commercial relationships. Because on infrastructure, it's easy to procure on-demand resources as needed on, on a hour by hour, month to month basis. But on the software side, the industry hasn't really moved to that model. So you still asked to commit for at least a year or two or three if you want to get additional benefits. And so that creates like a different si- different kind of commitment that's not technology driven, but still can have an impact on your adaptability. So, you know, shorter term contract, if, you know, the, you know those, those types of things actually help keep staying adaptable as well. I'm going to talk maybe not about software, but software integrators. So that external capacity, as I like to call it. So when the model is about tickets and cost per tickets and SLAs per ticket, well, now you don't have this. What you have is a team, a backlog, and you actually want to see the people. They're part of the team. So I, I said they want whatever T-shirt they wear under, I want them to wear the Aldo T-shirt. So it's a massive change with your system integrators, if you will. If you're the part that moves to that agile approach, the rest can stay on an IMS. But this is quite new from for most of the SIs, I would say. It's a major change. And now let's take a quick break to hear about our presenting sponsor, Asana. This podcast is brought to you by Asana. Even if your team isn't in the same place, your work can be. You just need Asana. Asana is where teams securely coordinate work so everyone knows who is doing what, by when, and why. To learn why millions of teams worldwide use Asana, visit asana.com. That's A-S-A-N-A dot com. 
Okay, so we got we got a couple questions before we we get out of here. Do you have a project that you're working on uh, that's coming up in the course of the next year that's your big number one focus that other CIOs should be thinking about? We are changing our order management system, our POS, so the point of sale software and stores, our scheduler and stores. So major, major project and upgrade. So that's definitely keeping me uh, interested and busy. So so that's a big one. For the one that, but that's specific, I guess, to my day to day. The one that I, I'm spending a lot of time right now is the whole data. And I know what it's an old topic, but the ability to do yes data analytics, but use it in more of an operational way and making sure that it's not a center group that only whatever access you need to data, you need to knock on the door and they're busy and they can't do anything for nine months. I'm spending a ton of time in this right now to try to crack the code, not from an infrastructure or like, like toolkit and all this, but mostly from an ownership perspective. So that's uh, very interesting and it keeps me busy. And I didn't crack the code yet. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> to tie back to your question, Ian, about what, what sort of what we're working on and some of the important projects and something we haven't perhaps talked about as much, but it is is on the security side because I think running a, a global commerce platform it, it's always top of mind and. What we're starting to find is to treat all of the data, you know, sort of the old way of looking at security logs and trying to have people look at all the exceptions is, is increasingly uh, challenging. And so there's a lot more automation and AI to try to see through the data and, and detect anomalies. So it's a little bit of the similar idea for, for Matthew, I guess, and your idea is like, how can we now leverage sort of the next layer of sort of, I don't know if it's always AI, like it's a big topic, but at least some automation that helps us sort of get to the next level of insight without, you know, sort of the manual toil. I think that's one big topic we're working on on the security side. You know, something that everybody can relate to, but of course, our back to the office strategy is something we, we talked about partnering with HR, building, we, we want to build a, a sort of a hybrid workplace where everybody's uh, more than welcome to work from home or from the office, but we're trying to make it as seamless as possible. And so far we've, we've opened sort of three or four offices, things are, are working really well. So we, we want to continue to provide that great employee experience. And then the last thing I'd, I'd bring up that's, is it a focus now more than other times? I don't know, but is uh, certainly managing the sprawl of sort of SaaS solutions and spend is something that we have a big focus on. It's easy to spend a lot of money really fast. So that's, I'd say the third, the third focus that we have right now. All right, let's talk secrets. It's CIO classified after all. So we got to talk secrets that the CIO or as a business leader that not a lot of people uh, know or are talking about. That's a good one, I guess, on my personal, is that CIOs are allowed to have fun. And I guess sometimes like I, I've, I've worked in organizations where IT is sort of like a, what you see sort of in the, whether in the series, like whatever, they're in the basement, nobody really knows what they are and who they are, what they do pick up the phone. But I, I think I say that as sort of jokingly, I mean, look, uh, there's a talent show tomorrow, we have a great performance. Like to me, it's it's sort of important that we, we, we think of IT as, yeah, just as creative and just as energetic or just as contributing or, or, or value added as anybody else in the organization. That, to me, that's, that's important. And I think having a bit of fun and, and sort of you know, brings out the, the creativity, the innovation and the energy of the whole team. And that's something that I, I try to always keep, a, keep an eye on. 
interesting. Mine is going in the a similar direction or definitely similar in nature. And obviously, I've, I haven't been doing this for many, many years in terms of the whole IT, but I feel that there's a lot that's being put in effort and systems just to say, basically, in the end, manage my risk. It's not my fault. The requirements have changed or whatever. So as a CIO, as an IT team, not, not my fault. And I see a lot of this mindset. So the, the PMO in general, a lot of the mindset is about we documented everything and everything is clear. And if something happens, not my fault. And I think if you let go of this and you focus on building relationship with your business partner, which means being aligned with their objectives in terms of, well, I win if my colleagues on the Aldo e-commerce side wins. That changes the night and day. And, and you know, what happens is my experience is when you make a mistake, when you fail, they will be the first one to, to back you up. You, but when you hide behind all this process and more traditional way of doing things, I think this is where it's very difficult to create those relationships because there's just not alignment with the business objectives. Okay, questions for each other. Who wants to go first? Mathieu, like I, I always find it you know, really interesting yeah, to you bring to your digital perspective to traditional IT. Do you think that there's a day soon where we will run, I guess, traditional IT like a modern web app? I hope that. <laughs> but I don't, see, I don't see it anytime soon. I think it's definitely trending towards this. And I was talking about managing employee experience and or store employee experience as a product and removing friction. There's there's a lot of friction. I do believe that in some areas where hopefully the products are there in terms of startups building applications that are super useful. Again, I can use Slack as an example, but there's many, many, many others. Hopefully not spend so much time on being the one that's the guardian of all of this and the support of all of this. I'd say maybe I'll, I'll just ask a follow-up. What do you think is the biggest sort of impediment to that? I mean, you mentioned it, I guess, the now you talked about more like it's transforming, but what's slowing down that transformation the most, do you think? Well, I think what I would say is a lot of this, we tend to look at it more as a, we need that and it's running fine and we're throwing our focus elsewhere. So that's definitely like, why would I touch something that's been there for years? So that's one. The second is I'm used to deal with one vendor and I have to deal with 22. I don't want to do the paperwork, finance. We, we, we might be able to help. Let me, we'll, talk, <laughs> we'll talk again. <laughs> My question for you, Pavlik, is you've been from a very traditional, I would say, even SEC is a great product. It, awesome brand but it was mostly a traditional type of business going into this tech startup was was the biggest like thing that you did not expect yeah i i think it's it's it comes back to what i i spoke about earlier i think i was and just before we we started the interview i i said it's almost there's so much shadow it that there's i don't know where it is anymore you know i i've had to change and and i've 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 spoken about this before like i i think shadow it is probably not like it it has a pejorative meaning i guess by definition but i think the modern way of looking at it is more sort of distributed or federated i just think 
I didn't expect it to be that far that fast. I think probably was the surprise. And so I've had to, you know, already, I think, and, and I think you're like that a little bit, Matthew, like we're, we're trying to reach to the business. We're trying to be sort of build our organizations that are sort of product centered. But I think I've had to already make that extra step faster than I thought to say, okay, well, they're, they they already have knowledge in the business. They already have software in the business. What's missing? And I think those are the pieces that I've tried to like data was like a, an important piece or security or governance around, you know, procurement. So we, we've tried to complement the offering without saying stop, everything has to be controlled by IT. Like you, you, you can't do that, right? So I think the... The, the speed at which the business is now able to procure IT solutions has been impressive. At the same time, to a certain extent, not that I want to say when, when they, sometimes it's easier when they have problems, but like sometimes you try to explain to the business, well, if you're not careful, you might sign contracts for too long or you might find yourself in a bit of a bind. Well, not too often and not too too bad, but we've had those situations happen. So that actually gives a little bit of credibility to say, okay, well, maybe we I do need you. some government, but not too much, but there's a little bit of, well, yeah, that's what tends to happen. Uh, and so, but in a way, that's that's what I think has been the, the, the one of the keys to, to the success we've had so far is, is to recognize that and then try to put yourself in their shoes and, and redefine the role a little bit. But I'd say that that was a little faster than, than I, I had anticipated. Gentlemen, thank you so much for for joining the show. We we really appreciate all the all the insights for our listeners. You can go check out AppDirect, of course, and check out Aldo. And uh, we really appreciate both your time. Any final thoughts? I still think it's one of the most exciting roles, and uh, it keeps changing. And looking forward to to stay in the industry for many more years. Yeah, this is an awesome new job for me, new endeavor. So I'm loving each minute of it so far. So. And thank you uh, for having us on the show. Awesome. Take care. Thank you for listening to CIO Classified. This episode was brought to you by Asana. From everyday tasks to big picture goals, Asana securely organizes work. So teams know what to do, why it matters, and how to get it done. Plus, with more than 100 integrations, Asana brings together everything your team needs to communicate, collaborate, and coordinate work in one place. Visit asana.com to try for free. That's A-S-A-N-A dot com.